millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Gets our nerds is teaming up with Positive Grid to give one lucky listener their very own Spark Smart Amplifier. Visit PositiveGrid.com forward slash guitar nerds. It's super simple and you could be the owner of one of the most fun and feature-packed amps I've ever played. Spark is a comprehensive solution for home jamming, learning and recording for electric, acoustic or bass. You can play and practice with millions of songs and access to over 10,000 tones. Powered by Positive Grid's Bias Tone Engine. Spark features a smart and intuitive range of rotary controls on the amp itself, but really comes to life when used alongside its companion app for iOS or Android. It's so well laid out. Straight out of the box, I was able to tailor my tone with a bunch of amp models and a comprehensive range of effects. There's no learning curve here or complex interface, just tons of tones straight off the bat. I love the Smart Jam feature. Play a looping riff on Spark and the amp and accompanying app work together to learn your riffs, then generate authentic bass and drums to accompany you. Perfect for making just jamming around more interesting and fun. Auto Chords is another banger. Import your music from YouTube, Spotify and Apple Music and the Spark app will auto display its guitar chords in real time as you play. Easy controls let you slow down the song's tempo or loop difficult sections as you master playing it. On top of all of this, you can use the Spark as an interface. USB directly into your computer and access all the Spark tones, amp models and effects for recording. All of this for only $299 US dollars. Visit positivegrid.com forward slash guitar nerds, enter to win a spark and check out all its incredible features. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds podcast, one of the world's top 15 or so podcasts about guitars. Uh, Joe, uh, Billy Bob Branton is still off on his holidays. So in his absence, I have waxed my moustache. I've poured out a pint of Jinski and I have bought three bases just to get into character. That's right. I'm your guest host for this evening, Jay Cross, and I'm joined by the uh, two of the UK's top musical imports in JD Short. Hello. And Naomi McLeod. To be sure, to be sure. Oh, there we go. How about that? I feel like that's the first hurdle conquered. We're, oh, yeah. we're you know, quite like Edmund Hillary. He had to take that first step, and now we're we're on we're on on our on on our journey. So, 
obviously this is a this is a new crew we've never done this before i've never hosted before i felt really absolutely fine about it until literally right now and now <laughs> i'm like oh no oh no what if i what if i mess it up what if i haven't hit record what if i accidentally delete everything and joe gets upset with me well, you're, um, yeah what you're, if you don't do all the voices Oh, I mean, the voices, I, I can barely do my own voice, let alone anybody else's. But, um, Jay, but, but if, anyway. if it's any reassurance, your voice has been going to tape, to record for a minute and 28, 9, 30 seconds. There we go. And Fantastic. it's been recorded forever. Okay, good, good. We're, we're, Are you feeling we're better? I'm feeling much better now. Yeah, I'm Excellent, feeling, I'm feeling yeah. okay. So anyway, how is everybody? What has been going on? It's been a couple of weeks since you guys have been on the podcast. And like I say, we've never done this just without a grown-up here. So <laughs> it's cool. You know, I assume we're just going to be eating sugary sweets and watching, uh, you know, the naughty channels. Um, what's been going on? Lots of nothing. Uh, generally getting back to... Getting back to life, getting back to rehearsals, getting back to gigs, which feels great and not so great to talk about because obviously um, listeners around the world will be having mixed experiences of same at the moment. Um, so taking taking the good where I can get it in terms of having music kind of flood back, having playing music flood back slowly into my life. Yeah, I saw that you went to uh, the Brood Now this week, I, which is very exciting to see to see a show. Do you want to talk us through talk us through your experiences of being in one of the UK's uh, foremost rock and roll venues? Absolutely. Do you want like a uh, sorry? Are, are you looking for like a how to and how to attend a gig, or or just my <laughs> description of of having gone to a gig? Yeah, give us a. Step I know it's by been a step, while. Step by step description of wh exactly what happened and why you made it good and how you're going to have to follow those exact steps for every gig for the rest of the year. <laughs> so I started by opening Microsoft Excel. <laughs> Ooh, classy. classy. Yeah, it's it's where I like to keep. All my notes. I don't keep any actual data in there. It's just it's just was, long passages of writing in in, in my Excel files. Was that in was that the, uh, the Gates signature or uh, was that just the uh, stock model? It was it was no it was, it was Gates signature. Of course oh, it was classic. Yeah, yeah. It's got extra cells and um, <laughs> forbidden formulas that you have. To, sorry. Anyway, um, so yes, I I was lucky enough to not only go to the Brudenell Social Club, which I specifically moved, not moved country, but in moving country, I moved to be close to the Brudenell. I also moved uh, two to three weeks before the first lockdown. So you can imagine my excitement at finally getting to attend a rock show at this uh, legendary venue who... Um, Obviously, many bands who I, I love and also many bands that I know from home uh, from Dublin have played in before. And the band I went to see were a band from Dublin, so it was super extra special. Um, so I went to check out the wonderful, the amazing, they have not paid me to say any of this, Fontaine's <laughs> DC, who, um, yeah, they've, I mean, from, from their early days, we would have maybe, as you say, Jay, been in the same circles. Mm. Um, yeah, from their early days, just been an, an incredible... Um, very energetic live act, super kind of engrossing, immersive vocals, amazing guitar tones. I really would recommend them for any anyone who's generally a fan of tone or a fan of like, not just general guitar music, but I mean, sort of like the Stooges, Joy Division, Strokes, any anywhere within the Venn diagram of those three 
certs of sounds uh would would do well to listen to Fontaine's DC. But um yeah, I I don't know have you guys had this um I during the darkest moments of the lockdowns I've wondered, you know, will it feel like this big momentous thing to see live music again for the first time? And obviously some people in our circles are doing the opposite. They're they're getting back to playing before they're getting back to attending gigs. Or if they're in maybe function bands, they're getting back to like gigging at events and stuff like that. So they're they're seeing it first from from the stage side. But um yeah, I have to say uh, it was a packed room. It was um Oh wow, really? Yeah, it was absolutely not only that, they they had two shows in the evening as well. So I was at the later of the two. Right. Okay. Um and yeah, both were both like were sold a, out. Yeah. Oh right, well, because it did feel like a small venue for them. Cause I think they played I think they played Brixton Academy like yeah. just before lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. is four thousand capacity. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think I've only been in the main room at the brood once, but mm-hmm. it's I mean, I don't know how many people you get in there, like 800 900 or something like that it's not massive right that seems a lot yeah i my my hazarded guess would be three to four hundred oh right okay right yeah so it really was less even less even maybe 250 to three but i'm I'm not a i'm not a venue headcount statistician so um again that is my guess but uh Okay, yeah, yeah uh, either way, main. either way, it was um, it was very packed, uh, and as I don't know, we've all been different, but I've been quite nervous during this entire time. So yeah. a tiny part of me was a bit nervous. There was like some people in masks, but it was a really happy, really comfortable, cool space. Didn't at any point in the night see anyone kind of being not cool towards one another. So um, yeah, in as much as a, a gig that consists of a lot of people standing very tightly together and a very dedicated constant relentless pit i think it was a i think it was a really uh a really joyous thing to see and i i will not forget for a very long time the feel like the actual feeling of energy exploding in the room when the first song kicked in and people oh, so just it being, did, you, you did have that eureka moment then oh yeah completely Amazing. completely it didn't like it, it it never would have had to have been a big room to experience that i mean people will will be in our experiencing it at tiny diy shows and it's yeah. like i don't know stadium gigs that are going on around the world but um yeah totally had that moment and it was uh yeah it was very very special very cool and felt felt very lucky to be able to be getting to go to a gig because as i said it's um <clears throat> not every not every government is there with it yet and not every country is there with it yet. So, um, yeah, trying to keep the, keep all the positives in mind as we go. Yeah. I think, I think that's the thing. And the, the whole way through, you know, obviously this isn't a COVID news podcast, so I don't think we should tread <laughs> exactly, too, exactly. too deeply into this area, but I mean, it is, it, all countries are moving at different paces and mm-hmm. it, I, as much as anything, people are going to feel comfortable with different things at different times. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we were talking just before we came on air, the, uh, well, I say it on air, before I hit the word recording, um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, I was really keen to hear your point of view on it. And JD, I know that you've been to a couple of um, shows and events recently because yeah. I, 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 I'm still not sure that I'm there yet. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I've been a lot more uh, conservative in kind of, um, you know, being out and about over the last 18 months mm-hmm. uh i'm always wearing masks and yeah i don't know i, th- I think i've been uh, probably too safe and i think it's it's difficult for me to move out of that headspace and be like okay cool no i can go to the pub and hang out with my friends and if i can do that 
what's the difference between going to uh, a room and watching the sort of bands that I like? Because look, let's face it, there's only going to be 25 people there anyway. Um, sure. So yeah. yeah, JD, I don't know what, what, what what's your experience yeah. been? You've been you felt felt safe, enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, it's like everything's felt. I mean, it's it's weird, but I, I will say I definitely had the same moments of. It's probably been a month, six weeks ago since I went to see the first first live music i've seen and most of them have been like out outdoors or like some flavor of outdoors like i saw a couple things in uh in in a park in london a couple things a couple things uh, i went to a festival the most recent one i went to was uh was uh shut up and play play festival which was uh just here in peckham and it was it was the venue was indoors, but it was basically you know under a train line, so it was you know in the arches that you normally get, and so it was like oh, open, okay. yeah, yeah, you know, like quite open, quite airy, and and it was before you know the mass mandates were you know said to be optional for people, so it was it sure. was it was some different flavor of most people wearing masks went up and about, but kind of. You know, in the same way, and not a COVID news podcast, but you know how COVID is only at like standing height; it's not at like seating height um, per all the rules. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things. Like when people are down, there's kind of mass off and stuff. But it was, you know, it it, it was really really nice, and like I just got. It's like I've seen enough stuff now that I start to to do that thing like when everyone's setting up I'm just really curious to see what they brought you oh yeah you just slipped back into old habits straight yeah. away <laughs> well, or it's like oh interesting so you you brought those two guitars okay let me guess what you're going to sound like before you know cause like it's the beautiful bit of a festival where you're just you just see loads of different kinds of groups and the different kinds of interpretations of what instruments to have and stuff like that but it was you know it was really it's really great. I st- I've I've been quite cautious this whole time with everything, too, because like certainly with like early lockdown, because it was trying to just be especially safe, and then making sure that I didn't get, you know, I didn't want to get COVID, obviously, but I, I also especially didn't want to get it because there's all you know international travel rules and all sorts yeah, of, of stuff of like I don't want to get stuck someplace. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. so it was, it was all that, and and kind of coming out of it, it's. It's here because I'm in, you know, it's it's quite lively here now with, um, I mean, definitely nothing. And it was 18, you know, 18 months ago, two years ago. But it's there's definitely people out. It sort of feels like there's a bit of a neighborhood where you like you're saying, like you see people at the pubs and it, but it's like the places, the pubs that have always had music before still don't have music like yeah. live music back yet. And it's this it's this weird thing where I have some friends in the U.S. who have been playing restaurant gigs for months already. Yeah. And it's just how it's such a, it's such a different thing. And I remember seeing that happening and it just being so weird. And there's like this base group that I'm a part of, like we were all kind of talking, it's like, Hey, is anyone gigging? Like, how are we feeling about this? And, and I'm kind of in that same boat where I was talking to a friend of mine the other day, where it was like it's seeing, so seeing people playing is, is giving me that like, Ooh, I kind of wish I was playing, but it's also, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily feel right for me yet. Like it's not. It's like why? Why I don't have the real huge need to get out there. That being yeah. said, there's like you know the, the stars aligning and other bits of things like other bits of like 
like bands that I'm playing with. Like it's much easier when it's like my solo stuff. It's like, do I want to do this? Yes or no. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But like this other the other bits of it is like, okay, so what what are the timelines scheduling puzzle pieces we can put together to make this work? But yeah, like it's it's really interesting and I and 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 I know that there are still um still groups like that are doing stuff at festivals that are kind of um, backing out of those commitments if the festival doesn't have like COVID procedures in place. Cause it's certainly for here, like the, the fact that technically there are no rules ish kind of maybe, yeah. you know, has, mm-hmm. has made it like this really murky area again, where I think it's, you basically you just have to do what you feel is right yeah. and safe and, and everything. And yeah, completely. And and I think that's the thing and, and different people are at different places and, I, I think that once we, uh, what, things do seem to be getting better here and I am starting to feel more comfortable and I, I, I think once enough people feel like that and eventually we'll take the plunge and we'll go to a gig and it'll probably be fine. And, uh, you know, I guess you just got to, it's all calculated risks. But um, one thing that I will say is uh, after 18 months of not going to gigs, make sure you don't leave the house without your earplugs. You oh, idiots. Yes. Oh my God, a yeah. hundred times, yes. <laughs> I, I I went to I, I just went to see a um couple of couple of months ago I went to see uh, an organ recital in this big church in in Brighton it was people playing a mixture of classical and neoclassical music mm. uh, on just a big uh, the big pipe organ in the church mm-hmm. and uh, even being in there I'd have my earplugs in and I had forgotten just how loud music can be because you've not been around it for so long and yeah. uh, my tinnitus certainly hasn't gotten any better in this 18 months of not going to gigs so uh, yeah just a reminder to everyone wear your lug plugs look after him you only get two so yeah. um you know once they're gone it's it, stuff yeah I, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Life, life's no fun in mono yeah yeah, yeah totally totally yeah, yeah with that like i i know like naomi i think we've talked about this at some stage mm-hmm. too but it, the thing that i keep again wear your earplugs everyone that's the that's the title of the podcast yeah <laughs> but, yeah definitely. but like <laughs> but but the, the thing that made me, nerds. yeah what made me think about it was that i was like i don't even remember where my like the earplugs i favor are at the moment and it just made me think about like all the the re like rehearsals i've done recently or like going to the studio like the first time like going to a rehearsal space was it felt like a completely different world where I was like, I used to do this all the time. Now I I can't remember what to pack. And like, and I'm, you know, like I certainly on those things, like when you're, when you're playing a run of shows, you know, you, at least for me, like I have, everything has its own Tetris spot where everything's, you know, sits. And I was trying to like, like, this is all the stuff I want to take. It should easily fit in one of like my mono bag or whatever. And I was like, I had this and I was like, where, how, how how does this go? Where do I normally put, where did this used to, where do I used to put this? What do, do I have all these? Ca- and it's, and it, I sort of felt like I had 12 of everything that I definitely didn't need, you know? And <laughs> it's like, well, how many different synth pedals do I have? You know, I make sure I have all these and, and it's, yeah, it's just, oh my it's, gosh, it's like yeah. this whole restart of everything. It's, it's, it's like relearning yeah. everything yeah. so much. Yeah. Well, have, you mean, had, have you had a similar experience with that, Jay? Before I jump in and relate no, heavily well, to no, everything I mean, JD is saying. <laughs> well, actually, all I was going to say was, 
we've talked about it a couple of times. Like I've moved house recently. And mm, mm-hmm. when I was going through all my stuff, moving house and everything, and actually less so the move because that was really fraught, but unpacking, I just... I cannot believe how many guitar cables I've got. Why do I have <laughs> right. so many guitar right. cables? Mm-hmm. And I just, I went through and just tried to have a bit of a purge of, okay, it's like, well, I know this one doesn't work. I know it doesn't work. It didn't work when I used it five years ago. Why do I still have this? Yeah. And it just, I tried to the kind of in, in uh, preparation for going to have a band practice, which is something that should be happening soon. Uh, just, yeah, like trying to sort out all my gear. And I'm just... I just always, it's all everywhere. It's all everywhere. And it's just, oh, it's all just a nightmare. And I, I'm trying to have a bit of a rethink on what I actually need. And what I don't mm-hmm. need is 15 cables that definitely don't work. So they've all gone yeah. in the bin. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's, but, that's a really good point, though. And a similar point that actually, uh, I mean, this is almost real time here because the post only went up in the Guitar Nerds group today. But um, Ben Caffrey, who I think quite commonly has has great posts in the group, uh, put up an amazing post, which is worth reading if you're in the Guitar Nerds Facebook group, um, about post-gig blues having played a gig. And many people have chipped in with with really amazing, basically relating to kind of similar points where it's like, yes, absolutely everything uh, you, JD and Jay are saying about like looking at your gear and being like, do I really need all of this? And how was I so adept at using this? And how have I become why am I in this restart? Like I've not stopped being a musician this entire time. Um, But Ben's post basically was about having, having played a gig. And then I think his exact words were, um, had a gig Saturday night. Now I'm in this like post gig, come down slump that, you know, the self doubt and the criticism are like, they're right there. Could I have done better? Could I have done this better? And when I read it, I actually thought of, um, the one thing that uh, one of one of the guys in Fontaine said to me after I bounded up to him, you know, full of <laughs> that joy of having seen a brilliant gig <laughs> and kind of, you know, as we all try and sidestep the standard words, great set, man. Yeah. Uh, I, that's definitely what I said. Um, and he was like, oh, God, thanks. Yeah, really felt rusty, really, you know, felt, um, it's you know, it's, it's tough to get match fit again. And really... <laughs> Really, honestly, I just felt like I'd watched a wonderful gig. I, I, I didn't <laughs> yeah. sense anything yeah. like that. And I feel like this, the conversation that you've brought up, JD, and the conversation that Ben has brought up in his uh, very good post in the group, both the kind of sense of restarting in terms of your own gear, your own setup, but also being kind of hypercritical of... Um, of your, your, you know, your own gigs, your own like cool, momentous occasions as you get back to things, whether that's a rehearsal or a gig or whether it's a recording that maybe you thought was, you thought you were set up for it to go brilliantly, but hasn't. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's a really important conversation to keep going about and, and be, be as kind to ourselves as is realistic. You know, it's like, if you've, if you've not, used your live setup for 18 months that's probably because you haven't been able to gig for 18 months yeah yeah you know but i also think what you say there is a is a great example of you've watched uh fontaine's dc play you thought they were amazing Mm. and the guitar player said well you know it was okay a bit rusty but you didn't notice that it was it was the drummer sorry just to not misquote the guitarist who i didn't speak to and i'm sure he thought it was a great gig Uh, i was interested in this story (laughs) (laughs) just so that doesn't turn into some slander case somewhere out there fontaine's dc guitarist being like i never said this i didn't say that 
yeah. I played perfect. As I always he do. did play perfect. They all played. They all played really excellently. It but was my, the point. my point is, is that nobody's ever more critical. Well, yeah, nobody's ever more critical of of your playing than yourself. And yes, I, I also just think it just doesn't matter. Like the long and yeah. the short of it is, it yeah, it just doesn't matter. And I, that's always how I felt. Is that sometimes you play really badly and you think, oh yeah, whatever. I just. You know, I, I just I, mean, I don't really care about it, but maybe I've just got a lot of standards about myself. <laughs> I feel like we, as as people who perform music live and play music and attend like shows and stuff, now is the most forgiving time. Oh, hundred history yeah, yeah, where yeah. it's just where everything's just oh, it's just so nice to see that. Like I could probably see uh don't want to name names because that's mean and someone will disagree of like whatever I find to be the worst drivel out there in history. Just cause po- just cause Joe's not here to defend yeah, himself, I, I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't want to say polymath. Um again, I think it's great that they're all playing their favorite song at the same time. Uh <laughs> But but it's it's one of those things where it just feels like now you just be like oh it's just so great to see you know like yeah. I what what a fresh take on that song that I can't believe was ever written to begin with you know and <laughs> and it would still be like this this uh, heartwarming enriching experience just to just to hear someone else play and to hear someone else play like live to be in in to have someone else move air that then buffets against my face you know like that would be great <laughs> I, hang on I, I thought we were talking about going to a gig what, are you... yeah. <laughs> what, what do you do at gigs <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean on that note that is a great point and uh for anyone who ever struggled to get their co-workers from their office to come and see their bands play this is absolutely <laughs> the time there's there are going to be so many mediocre office banters going on because of uh watching uh, Steve from Accounting's uh, indie rock band down at the Dog and Duck uh, every Friday night. It's going to be uh, yeah. What what a night for the Steves playing oh, the Dog yeah. and Duck of the world. You, you know? go, Steves. You you got this. <laughs> Listen, guys, musicians in accounting have rights, okay, and they're going to exercise <laughs> yeah. those rights hard on a stage near you. Yeah. And with, with I, all I, of, I think all... someone Jay sounds a little bit jealous. Uh, well, yeah, I mean that is true. That is true. It's uh, yeah. I can't. I can't wait. But the problem is, is Steve just won't pick up. He won't answer my text messages. And, yeah, you know, I keep being like, mate, I've got, I've got the, I've got the setup. I'm ready to go. I've learned. I've learned. Is this it in in full? Come on, let's go and play it. I mean, how many Steves out there have their brand new limited edition PRS? <laughs> 12, 12 a flame maple top. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, many, dear. Well, listen, many of before, them, and Jay before, wants to be all of them. <laughs> well, exactly, but we should probably move away from this before uh, all of the Steves who are yep. in our uh, Patreon uh, cancel before getting to the end of this episode. So let's uh, let's just go and dive into some of the news. News. Insert news jingles. <laughs> <laughs> nice i like it i hope he doesn't edit that i think it's all good <laughs> so uh first of all i just want to uh move it i say moving away from guitar stuff we've barely talked about guitar i, I tell you <laughs> last, last week when me and matty did did this episode uh joe who did still edit the podcast despite not being on it sent me and matt a message being said just saying something along the lines of 
Cheers, guys. You got to 18 minutes before you mentioned your first guitar. And we are now at 24 minutes. And we, I still don't think we've said like the word Strat or Telly or anything yet. So I mean, uh, let's, let's keep it rolling. Yeah, um, let's go. But yeah, yeah first JD, of all, don't even jump in. No. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, say, you know, a bit of sad news this week. First of all, just a quick touch on a uh, couple of uh, very iconic musicians who have sadly passed away this week. Dusty Hill from ZZ Top and, of course, Joe Jordanson from Slipknot and uh, many other bands. Um, very, very sad news. Um Joe Jordison is, you know, obviously sad when, when anybody dies, but Joe Jordison in his 40s, you know, very, very sad um, that these guys are no longer with us. Um, ZZ Top, I think we talked about it on the podcast once before. I am fairly sure that ZZ Top are the longest running band with the same lineup. Because yeah. um, they started in like 1970, I think. Dusty joined a little after, so. But by and large, it's the original. It's the original lineup, and yeah, like very, very sad. Um, highly recommend the documentary uh, that Netflix did on them a couple of years ago, uh, which I think is called like a little old band from Texas, or you know something along those lines. Uh, really interesting. Some great guitars. Some absolutely fantastic playing. Billy Gibbons, obviously. Uh, just a guitar icon um, in his own right, but being part of this legendary band. And Dusty, you know, fantastic bass player. Yeah. And, um, yeah, really, really sad news. And this, the thing, so I saw ZZ Top when I was quite young. So it was like early, mid-90s or so. Mm. It was one of those things like one tickets at, from a radio station okay. kind of thing. And I mean, I liked ZZ Top anyway, but I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go see them. And was just absolutely blown away by, well, just ZZ Top broadly. But then, you know, reading a bunch in like different guitar magazines and, and interviews with Dusty over the years, I remember early, early on before, you know, playing with sense was cool as it is now uh but but because they always had a lot of like synth synth stuff going on in in most of their massively popular songs and everything have synth lines and everything and i remember dusty just talking about as a bass player like playing with those treating those as um treating those as just another instrument and then also talking about his tone and having his tone need to sort of have a bit of distortion on the top and everything so that it blends in because they were a three uh -huh. piece and just all those things really got me thinking from such a from such an early age before I was really really into playing and just thinking oh I need because then I was also in a band that didn't have a guitar player or anything so I took up this huge frequency spectrum uh -huh. and a lot of that is like oddly enough like from things dusty hill had said you know oh, right. it wouldn't, wow, it wouldn't okay. have been like hey who's one of your main influences yeah it, sure it's probably mm. dusty hill from from a sonic perspective and and just a lot of things where it's like oh it's really it's it, like they were such he was such like there still are a, like an innovative band who also stayed amazingly true and roots orientated <laughs> you know like you would you see they're just they're just a blues band but a really cool interesting take on a texas blues band yeah yeah they really brought kind of an eccentricity that i think not not many other acts of their scale have to blues as a as a core 
And also just the like the showiness, the fuzzy guitar, like matching guitars to begin with, fuzzy guitars, <laughs> yeah, like three sixty rotating. It's like oh, that's amazing. And if I saw anyone else besides them do it, I would hate them yeah, immediately. Totally. Yeah, exactly. And it would be seething. I don't care if they're the Fontaines DC or not. <laughs> like, this is this is a Fontaines DC positive podcast. Can I just be clear about that to anyone listening? <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously not a guitar player, but Joey Jordison, uh, I, I tell you, it was actually he, really... Joey Jordison was a guitar player. Oh, of course. Yeah. In, yeah, um, in Murder uh, Dolls. The Murder Dolls. Of yeah. course he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, of course. A band that, I, I mean, you're a goth, you're probably into them, <laughs> Naomi. Like, it kind of, it kind of, like... <laughs> What? I am it not okay of, with that comment. Yeah, yeah, you have a choker. Kind of, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of passed me by, to be honest with you. I mean, I wasn't really into Slipknot when I was a kid. Um, mm. I obviously knew who they were. And uh, as I got older, I began to uh, appreciate what they did in terms of, you know, bringing kind of extreme music to MTV and to, to uh, the forefront of the conversation. Um, but it's only really in the last four or five years I've started listening to Slipknot and being like oh this is a really good band but um the Murder Dolls are a band that completely passed me by so I don't really know what what that was his his band that he left to do after Slipknot right no so right I'm about to undo all of my any validity to the retort at what at the, at you ha- at you having just called me the 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 g word um, but, uh, so yeah i mean a, a tiny little bit of history and context and this is going to be very hard to me for me to remember back to when i was young enough um a very long time ago when i was young uh, i was really really into the murder dolls uh, but mm-hmm. far far more than that i was i was one of those uh, youths who really did kind of have my teen years and certainly my listening uh, quite shaped by Slipknot as okay. as a band. Mm. Um, they were, you know, so many people kind of who go the heavy music route with their with their listening and their their leanings and taste. We'll kind of get into a bunch of kind of bands at, at the same time, and Slipknot were just were huge for me. Um, and I suppose they came kind of hot on the heels of bands like Limp Bizkit and Corn, and I was definitely like a, a new metal kid. And then sort of picked up a lot of the more kind of um, more established, more kind of classic uh, mainstream kind of metal and rock artists as I went. But oh, Slipknot's first album um, that came out in 1999, the self-titled, mm. it it really did things to new metal that I don't think any other band could have done. And that's in, that's including a lot of a lot of bands that would still sort of stand the test of time now in new yeah. metal. It was it was this hated genre by many people, openly hated by many bands. You know, it was the voice. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. 
Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. It's of a really quite a young generation in the same way as history always repeats itself, there is widely hated music being created all the time. And it, it does yeah. generally tend to kind of revolve around young teenagers, but like every generation needs a voice. And I'm not saying Slipknot voiced a generation because obviously they, they wrote and write, um, you know, a, a specific corner of music. They can't speak for all of music, but they, um, yeah, they, they definitely changed the trajectory uh, for, I think, a lot of people who, who listened and felt moved by that first album. It really was a turning point, certainly in sort of metal and new metal. And mm. um, in a, an awful lot of commentary I've seen following uh, Joey Jordison's death, um, many people have sort of made the same comment that like everything sort of changed following that album in Iowa for them personally. And a lot of people mm. commenting that... Um, yeah, just just how impactful it was, um, and Joey Jordison was was a um, I don't know was he a founding member, but he was he was there from really early on. I know Sean yeah. Cr- Sean Crayon was a founding member. Yeah, uh, Paul Gray also, God rest his soul, mm-hmm. was uh, yeah. a founding member too. But Joey was there from very early on. Yeah, certainly um, on the on the first album and everything, right? Oh, completely. Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. was uh, very much referenced as being a huge. Um, as being a, as being a key writer in the same way that Paul Gray was, so I think the sort of multi instrumentalism was was kind of present uh, for both of those guys in particular. Um, and then Murder Dolls kind of came on the scene. I think they were an existing band anyway. And Joey Jordison and Wednesday Thirteen, the singer of Murder Dolls, joined joined forces and then kind of made it a, a full band thing. That was like that. It, it not only was it not the thing he left Slipknot for, but that was that was really quite close to kind of the early Slipknot albums. I think that was like early 2000s, like 02 or 03. But it was, I don't know, listening back now, I would I would consider it like a fun jaunt probably on, on Joey Jordison's path. Uh, very specific, very fun, very kind of tongue-in-cheek, kind of like horror punk vibes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a few bangers in there by my taste. Cool. Good. Well, you know, it's uh, it is very sad, but um, yeah, the, those news that that new Slipknot record, as I say, it's difficult because he wasn't on it. But um, mm. that mm-hmm. new Slipknot record, if you if you like me, kind of let um, new metal to a degree, but certainly a band like Slipknot slip past you in your youth. I'd really recommend the newer Slipknot record. Came out like two years ago. It's really good and uh, really kind of opened my eyes to the earlier stuff. And I've listened to the the self-titled record a couple of times this week um, off the back of that. So Yeah, just a really incredible musician. Yeah. Dusty Hill too, uh, for, mm. you know, both of them for, for different reasons. Um, yeah. I think 
I think Joey on a on a on a drum level has left left behind a, a huge world of inspiration for sure. Yeah. Um, another band, uh, kind of from the same uh, the same era and the same uh, sort of music that uh, really did pass me by at the time. And again, this is something I've talked about on the podcast before um, that I've only really got into recently. Uh, were Rage Against the Machine um, for much the same reasons, and uh, it was announced this week that. Uh, Music Man are going to be uh, releasing a limited number of um, Tim Comerford signature basses. Um, so Tim Comerford, obviously the bass player from Rage Against Machine and has been in a bunch of other bands, Audio Slave. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, really interesting that we were talking about it before. I don't think he has ever had a signature bass before. And it seems weird considering the fact that he has, you know, played in one of the biggest rock bands of the last well of the of the last 20 years yeah i i don't think he has either and then we're thinking about it and it's like i i've only ever seen him play stingrays and jazz basses i think he was playing like a 70s jazz for for a bit and maybe he did that in audio slave i'm Mm -hmm. I'm just i'm having like flash memories of seeing him playing that because i remember being like whoa he's not playing sting because it was certainly like i love and adore certainly the first rage album i'm all rage stuff but like they were huge for me and um and i was really like tim's playing is just so upfront his tone so so aggro in a way that you don't you don't you don't really see it like it's it's a really interesting you definitely know it's him playing like it's a very signature tone i think so it's it's really interesting to see that it's just now that there's a a signature base in the sense that i mean it's it's interesting because I, I don't i'm not sure what tom morello has as far as signature because it, it also kind of feels sort of anti rage against the machine to have you know like signature, like signature, signature series signature like sort of yeah, things. yeah yeah he's got a fender hasn't he he yeah he has yeah. yeah 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 but that is that that was interesting though because that was kind of a a reissue of a guitar that yeah, sort of didn't really exist because he kind of put it together himself um and actually i don't think it was a fender i think it maybe it was a charvel or something um oh, okay but uh yeah the new the new uh the new tom Morello one is 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 the the fender but it's um what you talk about there, JD, is interesting. Kind of how sonically he is quite aggressive, and I think a, a lot of the time that 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 is a sound that I always kind of aspire to do. That really mm. like sonically aggressive sound, but mm-hmm. I think so often it doesn't work in a band environment because there's so many other frequencies kind of competing for uh, yeah. bandwidth there. But because of the way that Tom Morello plays, in that you know he is on a roller coaster constantly yeah. um the, what tim is able to do in 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 terms of keeping the beat going with that like really like sonically punishing overdrive it works really well yeah i i mean that was it's it's always interesting so I, I used to struggle a bit with ray or a struggle this is like the minorest critiques of someone and a group who is light years beyond anything I'll ever do. So, <laughs> but like, but one of the things that always would frustrate me listening to them is it always is a lot of times when you're listening to the to the recording, like I'm sh- you know live different, but like listening to the recording, it always felt to me like the choruses dropped 
a bit. Like the verses were so hard hitting and you're just like, this yeah. is going to go up another level. And then they, they, they'll do like a halftime thing or they'll, they'll just really open it up a bit where, you know, Tom Morello is doing something else or like some sweet picking solo for a bit. And you're like, Whoa, okay. Well, I thought this was going to, all right. So now we're going, now we're back to the verse. All right. I'm, I'm into this, you know, and there's, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. those, those weird little things where it just, it feels like flip flopped a bit. Also, I think, cause like, you know, Zach's lyrics were so hard hitting and so yeah. personal that it's, you know, it's like when you're, when you're, we you go to the chorus, you're just like, no, just, just keep telling me more. Just keep telling me yeah, more. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and so, yeah, I, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Anyway, we should talk about the bass. Yes. <laughs> <I'm sure. laughs> well, there's, there's, there's four, which is what's, yeah. su- what's super interesting. So I don't know if you've seen the spec there. Yes. Yes, indeed. I, you could probably, sorry, uh, both of you could probably uh, inform me on this, but I've, I, I'm not sure I've seen this variant option ever in a signature before of uh, full scale or short scale. Yes, yeah, really interesting. The fact that there's that, yeah, the, what it feels like is that they sat down to discuss what uh, the base was going to be, and mm-hmm. I reckon someone from Ernie Ball said, right, well, you know, we've seen what you obviously you play a mixture of long scales and short scales and a mixture of active and passive. So, you know, what instrument do you want to do? And I think he just said, yes. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think so too. They've just done them so, all. Yeah. So, uh, sorry, uh, listener as, as well. So, so we're all, uh, on the same page. It, it literally four models, uh, active and passive available in short scale and active and passive available in full scale. Um, yeah, and some really, really cool um, spec on there that not clear at first glance at all, particularly the model I was looking at, which is the black hardware model um, mm. on natural, which is really quite striking. Um, but yeah, he's got a finger ramp on there, which is adjustable, um, sat just above the pickup. And he's also got adjustable mute pads um, at the bridge, which is... Again, something I've not seen on a signature, and is I, I feel like that's a very Branton appointment. Well, yeah, yeah, I was just gonna, I was just thinking that because obviously Joe has just had that on his Fidelity. Um, it, exactly, he's had that 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 mute there. Um, but yeah, it isn't something that you see very regularly. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, the the thing that I think is the coolest on these is the ramp, and mm-hmm. and I've had ramps on bases, and I I I don't actually really use them that much. I know there's reasons for them and everything i've just never really never really gotten on like is they they've not made a huge difference to me and i know there's loads of techniques you can do and other things but but it seems fine but it, i've never i've never seen anyone put a ramp on on a stingray and you know normally you'll see them on like jazz basses people have them or any any sort of you know j style bass or certainly like federas or high-end you know boutique models but just to just to sort of see it on 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 a stingray it's like oh that's really interesting in a way that feels like this bass could certainly appeal to people who are more i think what people say like more modern techniques of playing so moving away from the lewis johnson like thunder thumbs just like really digging in or you know think about flea and stuff and Mm. looking at you know a lot of the you know, primarily YouTube basis you see that are doing really delicate things, but but on a stingray, it feels like it really. Yeah, I could I could see that being really interesting. It's it's interesting to me that it would be on uh, like on Tim's signature, honestly, because I don't 
necessarily see his his playing has always been you know finger style or pretty you know pretty much there but it's you know ramps are great for finger style so it's cool yeah, and I mean, if uh, it does appeal to you, then you need to act fast because uh, I can yeah. see them on the uh, on the Music Man website. They're basically all sold already, so uh, it seems like they're just all going direct through them. Mm. So um, oh. Oh, check them me... out there. But yeah, really, really interesting to see. Also, it's great that you can. What I really like about it is that because they're being very transparent with how many are left, uh, you can see the uh, race. You can see which one is the most yeah. popular, uh, which of course is the full-scale passive model quell surprise there so moving on from uh rage against machine um another signature uh product that came out this week magnetic effects which is a brand that we have spoken about a number of times in the past um their white atom uh uh, fuzz pedal was a a real favorite of guitar nerds um a couple of years ago uh there was also the sand air which i have a feeling was named something else originally i can't remember what it was called um but that is really cool um but uh so they have just announced a new pedal which is the eye to eye phaser um which uh is the signature pedal of the band the datsuns um now looking into this i don't think i knew this but it seems as though the guy behind magnetic effects actually is in the datsuns um and uh so he's just kind of done this cool little um I guess, marketing technique to go along with the launch of their new record. Um, and the song, the single that they've got up on the the page for the pedal is so good. It is so good. So um, whilst preparing for this podcast, I put this on and I thought, oh yeah, the Datsuns, they're a band that I sort of remember, but I don't think I know anything about. I'll listen to this just in case I hear the pedal. And it's so good. Like really cool, Ty Segal type fuzzy agro punk. Uh, the song's like two and a half minutes. There's a great solo in it, which utilizes the pedal. Um, really, really cool. Really cool. So I don't know if you guys know anything about this band or this brand, if you've experienced this before, but um, highly recommended from my side. Yeah, I'd say like, I, I don't really know anything uh, I mean, I've seen, I don't have any, I've seen the brand, I've seen the band. Uh, the pedal looks incredible. Like, yeah. it looks really cool. The other thing I'll say is, I'm a big fan of a pedal being a signature for a, an entire band. Yeah, it's cool, like, isn't it? I think, yeah. yeah, I was like, that's such a cool thing to be like, hi, we're fill in the name of band who the Beatles? once paid promotion yeah the, the Beatles yeah. <laughs> I was trying to not actually name real bands oh sorry um, the no, no, no. Beatles <laughs> the, the Fleetles <laughs> uh, and and it's like hey this this is our signature pedal you know it'd be like that's that's weird that's cool I like it it's, it's a fun little mix up but yeah, it's it's a great pedal. Um, it it looks great. The sound samples sound fantastic. Obviously, not seen one in real life yet, but uh, a couple of really neat features on there. The main one for me being the uh, the mix control. Um, I think that's on these kind of uh, mo- very destruct or not destructive, but very intense modulation uh, pedals. I think it's just it's so good to have that mix control because you really can just dial in exactly what you want. Um, there's also a level control on there, uh, which any who's ever worked in a guitar shop will really appreciate because uh as we all know 
Uh, modulation pedals will always offer a perceived volume drop um, and mm. people will bring them back and say, I turn this pedal on and it makes my guitar quieter, uh, which isn't what's happening. It's just something that's going on with your brain, making you perceive the volume being quieter because of the sweep in the frequencies. Um, something along those lines anyway. It's, it's been quite a long time since I've ever had to explain that, but it's uh, it's great to see that that's on there. Um, but yeah, really, really cool pedal. Um, would very much like to have a go on one of those. Also at yeah. a nice price. It's yeah, out, yeah, it's out at about it's under one fifty, I think, isn't it? Yeah, one hundred and thirty nine quid. Which, considering it has been made, uh, they're they're handmade in uh, the UK um, by Christian, who, as I say, I'm fairly. I apologise, Christian, if this gets back to you when you're not in the Datsuns uh, or if you are in the Datsuns and you, you feel like I should have known that um, that is uh, yeah really really cool this just this company as a whole I think are wicked um, they've done some great pedals and it's uh, yeah it's nice to see I'm, I'm always into bands doing something different especially when it comes to mm-hmm. kind of PR around their album releases and I think this is a really really neat way to go about it because I, frankly I, I probably wouldn't if someone had said oh have you heard the new Datsun song I probably wouldn't have listened to it otherwise um, and I'm really glad that I did because I thought it was wicked and I will definitely listen to the album now um, yeah very cool plus one for marketing the Datsuns exactly exactly yeah. um, where are we we've got a little bit of time left so um, I wanted to quickly touch on uh, one of Joe Branson's favorite uh, brands in uh, his absence because I, uh, he will definitely want to talk about this next week, but he can't if we have talked about it this week. Uh, uh-huh. So Harmony, um, a brand who Joe won't stop going on about, um, keeps telling me he's going to give me a lend up of the silhouette that he's got at home and then never does. Um, That's just not, keeps, it's not going to happen, Joe. He just it's, keeps texting yeah. me being like, oh, this, this guitar is so good, mate. You, you've got to try it. And then I say, okay, cool. Can you drop it around? And he says, no, no. But anyway, the silhouette, which is um, a guitar that made it quite far in gear of the year last year, I think. <clears throat> Um, has uh, got a new release with uh, the option of a Bigsby. Um, so really, really cool. He's using the B5, which is, a, um, I think, the model that you get on Telecasters. So it will be uh, pretty um, familiar to most people. But yeah, I mean, this guitar looks great um, already. If you're familiar with this guitar, you will know how good it looks with a Bigsby. Um, just, just a great brand, some great guitars, Really interesting. And also like pretty uh, reasonably priced as well. I think I saw these were about $1,200, um, which really seems quite reasonable for, for what you're getting. I mean, they every time I see like images of like the Harmony, they especially these the silhouettes, like, they just look so good and so classy and so yeah. timeless and look like they would fit with anything somewhat mid-century style you know with like the the pickup covers and everything it just there's i mean they look great it's it's rare that i i see something guitar wise like these days that it just makes me be like ooh, okay hold on because <laughs> like, like most of the time it's like oh that's great oh that's great but it's like mm, there's there's something that there's just this like perfect storm of right vibe for something yeah yeah they're they're amazing. Yeah, I think they're one of those brands that successfully hit on nice nuances that 
you know, like pleasantly dodge maybe what a lot of other brands are doing in terms of body shapes, appointments, yeah. like the, um, the Juno is just like, you know, there is not a, like a bulk of other companies out there doing uh, an, an instrument and a shape and a scale as un, as unusual as the Juno is. Um, same with the Silhouette. I think this is a really good addition to the Silhouette as well. I think it makes complete sense. Um, very often in my uh, days on the shop floor and in years gone by, you would hear customers looking at uh, really nice guitars on the on the wall and saying, you know, I'd I'd go for that if it if it had a Bigsby, I'd go for this if it yeah. had a Whammy. Yeah, it's yeah. it's um, I completely get how some players would be completely turned on or off a guitar um, based on that. So very sensible addition, I think, by by Harmony. Yeah, I wonder if uh, we will see any more of the uh, Harmony guitars sharp with Big Bigby's over the coming months. Because, uh, I mean, like you say, the Juno is is a super interesting guitar. It, mm-hmm. I, it, the Juno is funny for me because every time I look at it after, you know, not looking at it for a while, I, I just think that guitar is awful. It looks horrible. It looks horrible. Sure. Wait, n- no, it doesn't. No, hang on. No, that's... Oh, no... I think I might. I think I might buy a Harmony Juno actually, and it's just it's it's so unfamiliar the yeah. the mm-hmm. shape of the Juno, but without being um, just like completely mad. It's it's still exactly. very a yeah. classic looking guitar. It just looks really weird at first at first viewing, and then yeah, I don't know. My gaze softens, and I think no, this guitar's wicked. So I wonder if uh, we will see. A Bigsby on there at some point, or on any of the other models, because uh, you know Harmony, great brand, doing some doing some very very cool stuff. Do we know where Harmony are made? Actually, uh, yeah, they are made in uh, they are made in Michigan. Oh, I, very cool. They, okay, I am fairly sure. Uh, bleh, man, Google. sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Uh, obviously. <laughs> Hey Naomi, how uh? Just told, I look over here, everyone. <laughs> look over here. How's I it can't, going? Uh, I just, no, I can't remember. It's I can't fine. Remember. It's fine. Well, you, I was, do you know if are they are they in the mitten? If you do, or if you do the that's that's one for all the Midwest US everyone. That's how you describe Michigan. It's like oh really? Mitten. Oh yeah. Because it looks like a hand in a mitten with a thumb, and then you invert it and you say, "This is where I'm from." Hand in the. I'm making very strange hand gestures with both hands now. The uh, the countries that uh, we were born in aren't really big enough to have anything that you could be described anthropomorphically. I don't think JD, this is a bit alien and alien to us. I, yeah, we yeah, got I mean, the weird, it, it, weird could, sticky outy bit like Cornwall. Yeah, you can stuff, you can you speak know? for yourself, Jay. Ireland looks like a teddy bear driving a stick shift vehicle, <laughs> and always has. I will happily provide uh, a homemade illustration to the guitar nerds group like if needed. That's going to be our new cover image for the fucking <laughs> take this rebranding away. Where <laughs> <laughs> strange driving teddy bear shaped country is coming your way. Yeah. Oh, come on, Lithuania. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so um, Mi- yes, Michigan, the mitten is. I'm fair. I, I so I have found the article. I I had a moment. I had a moment of blind panic for a sec, where I thought, "No, I've got this totally wrong." But no, I'm correct. That Harmony are made in Kalamazoo, Michigan, which is the, oh yeah, awesome. Kalamazoo, which is the original um, home of Gibson, of course, before they moved to Nashville. Um, of course, and that is that. That was what I had in my head, and I, I felt like I was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire there for a second. Yeah, because it's as soon as you said it, I thought, "Yeah, they're made in Kalamazoo." I know that, and then. 
I doubted myself and I should have just gone for it. And I, I've ended up phoning a friend. I've used up a lifeline. What an idiot. What, it's, what an idiot. This is, you. this is nothing compared to when I go for like pints with my friends. They, they just complain constantly about how I, how I ask questions. It's, <laughs> I, I cannot ask things casually, apparently. So I just, um, I just wonder if we have different definition of friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's probable. It's probable. My friend. My friend. <laughs> so in, uh, well, I reckon we can fit in one more bit of news. So uh, this is something that we tried to talk about last week, but uh, Matty and I were far more interested in talking about running and Brian Eno. Uh, so we didn't get around to talking about the new Gordon Smith Gatsby, which is really interesting. The first time that Gordon Smith, who are a company who've obviously been around for a long time, made great guitars in the UK. Um, the kind of, uh, punk rock guitar uh, of the uh, of the of the eighties and nineties, I would say. Um, they have released their first offset, which is the Gatsby, um, which uh, looks really cool. It's got um, the similar kind of uh, large offset style body that you would have seen on the on the uh, the silhouette. Uh, some really cool funky colours, um, matching headstock, that kind of German carved recess on the um, headstock. Uh, I think it looks great. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check this out. Yeah, I really, I really like the the scooped heel that they have, like behind yeah. the neck. Like I, it's, I just feel like that's that's something that when you when you, it just feels like a modern like a modern player's guitar with like all the new different appointments you see instead of just doing like a, a just taking an offset and doing something it's so nice to see someone just putting new flavors on something that looks like it could be an old guitar stylistically you know it's like all the funky colors and stuff but just saying like oh it's you but you can actually you can actually play in the upper register if you wanted to I mean, I say, you know, n there's no need, but, you know, go, go right, go right ahead. <laughs> I, I totally agree. I think Gordon Smith have, they've really, uh, you know, cut their teeth and proven their worth making amazing uh, homages to more classic sort of body designs. And I think they've, yeah, I think they've, they've really done a, a great job of sort of putting a ripple in the water with with this offset. I think there's so many really nice, really tasty appointments to it that they've put their own mark on. Um, and I think the choice in finishes as well, I didn't want to jump straight to finishes, but I just cannot stop looking at the Swamp Ash yeah. um, in the real ale and tobacco finish. And it's it's really yeah. super tasty. Um, I feel like visually it would it would fit right in across a ton of sort of band styles if if that's something if that is something that you kind of take into account visually depending who you're playing with or the style that you're playing. Um, yeah, I feel like they've 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 hit the nail on the head with these. Yeah, I, I was really looking at the the grain patterns that are there, and it looks mm. like there's you know there's a bit of like grain fill like a, a tinted grain fill or something and it, it, it right. sort of looks like which is but it looks it looks incredible and i think you're you're spot on with the the whole thing where it it's the kind of guitar that looks like it would fit across and a massive range of styles like sure. i could see metal bands playing this sure you know, like, yeah, the, yeah completely you know the completely. metal bands that you know have headless you know that are playing their Paulie smith five five a <laughs> Flame Maple Tie, you know, like all of those, whilst also seeing it fit with like a surf band or something, you know, some, you know, 
some band you would imagine just like vintage most rights or something and it's just yeah, yeah or, or jazzier a, ends of yeah, playing as for well sure, yeah. yeah no i think yeah I, country bands anything mm-hmm. like i think yeah it is it just it looks like a guitar you could take for a bit of something different yes but it 100%. would be completely familiar in every situation in all of the best ways yeah well, I think that just about brings us up to time on uh, this. I've been dreading this bit. I tell you what, I don't know what I'm going to say here. Um, so this brings us up to time on the uh, the main episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. We will be uh, going and hanging out. I mean, I assume we are. I don't think I asked you guys if you were right to hang out for another oh, half yeah. hour, whether it's just going to be me talking by myself. It's your um, lucky day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, so, um, I actually, because I am a, a real grown up and, uh, I did think about this, I have put, did put forward a, an agenda and I did come up with a topic that I thought we could talk about over on Patreon. And, uh, actually it came about, uh, from an article that I read earlier today about how the, uh, US government have auctioned off the only copy of the Wu-Tang Clan's, uh, seventh studio, studio LP, Once Upon a Time in Shaolin. Um, so for people who don't know the history of that record, basically the Wu-Tang Clan, uh, recorded this record in secret and only after it was finished did they announce that they were only going to press one single copy of the record and uh, it was put to auction and it was bought by American... Uh, Don't say his name. Farmer bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was bought by a man who doesn't own it anymore because he's in prison and uh, he went to prison for cheating some investors and the US government took all of his stuff back to pay um, the money that he owes to people. Anyway, the record has since been sold again. Um I mean, in fairness, so uh, the, Martin Shirelli, the guy who bought the record originally, uh, he was teasing people about, he was teasing people on the internet that he'd heard the record and they hadn't. And I, I thought that was quite funny in fairness, uh, yeah. but uh, he doesn't have the record anymore. Um, it has been sold to some unknown buyer, probably someone in Wu-Tang, I would, I would suspect. Um, who knows? But either way, that article uh, reminded me of a really good documentary, the really good documentary series of Mikes and Men, uh, which was produced about yeah. the Wu-Tang Clan a couple of years ago. Unbelievable, like so interesting. Uh, it, 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 uh, you get interviews with all of the um, living members of um, of Wu-Tang, plus uh, there's uh, some interviews with ODB's um, family which is it's really interesting and uh they are another one of those bands who kind of passed me by um when i was a teenager and it's only recently that i've really got into them and um that is thanks to this documentary the series that came out so i thought we could uh take a bit of time just to have a chat about our favorite music documentaries and whether there's anything that kind of turned you on to new Mm. bands so if you want to listen to that and any of the other content that Billy Bob Branton produces every week, uh, you can become part of the Guitar Nerds Patreon gang uh, for $5 a month. Um, you get all the old guff that we've recorded over the last few years, plus access to any future guffs that have not yet been guffed. Um, the Discord chat has been a little bit active recently. Uh, even M- Marky P has been hanging out in there, so that is interesting. Uh, you can also pay $10 if you want. Um and Joe sings your name. I don't know if he's been doing it recently. I don't listen to the podcast. I just talk <laughs> on it. Um, uh, you can also, if you don't want to do that, but you do like us or you like Joe, you can pay $1 a month and you get the podcast 
early and yeah. ad-free, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yes. That's what I do. I pay for it. Joe asked me to once. He was like, I need, I need some information from a Patreon. Can you, can you sign up for a month? And I went, yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll sign up for a month. And I just... I still am a patriot. I still am a Patreon backer. Oh, I, I am too, bro. Yeah, of course like, you are. You, you like, are a maniac from from ages ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Naomi, um, just wondering when you uh, a little bit awkward. Um, I, um, yeah, yes, um, I. Um, so should we split this? Uh, three I'm ways, I'm like or, between uh, bank cards at the moment. Oh yeah, oh, right, yeah, right, right. Uh, yeah. I yeah, lost yeah. my wallet. Uh, the, sh- yeah. Sorry, is this some sort of attack on me because I'm Irish? <laughs> just do it. Wow. Let's carry this on over on Patreon. Thanks very much for listening this week. Uh, up the punks. Oi, oi, oi. Joe Branton, I hate you. Farewell. Oi, oi, oi. of the week. Get tired, coming in your ears. Listen to his thin ride and drink a bunch of beers. We got Matt Knight and Jay Cross too. Not to leave himself up when he's come up into two. We got JD and Naomi McLeod. But I am the best one because I'm sissy from the loud. But we couldn't do this podcast without you. You're everything on podcast list but I will want to see. Trolling Brown, Holly Simpson, Eric Vaughn, John Conway, the studio rats, Russell Howard, Yogi the guitarist, Tyler and Cloud, Lippert on Simon Skull, Harris, Joe Hobart, Sean Hughes, Brian Hansen, Eric Emma, Chiffy Wax, Shane M, Brian Eisner, Jonathan Hackerty, Kevin Mander, Lyndon, Marcus Alcadawaki, Robert Butterworth, Samuel Frost, Stuart Ronson, Christy Lund Hansen, Keith Adams, Eric File, Dallas Henry, Scott Utting, Jack Cutmore, Andy Manley, Simon Milborn, Ken Sayers, Michael McVeigh, Aaron Peter, Sean Arbo, Ernie Cooper, Joe Patrick, Blake Wyland, Dave Lee, Nate Nagel, Ross Edwards, John Angle, Aaron Sherman, James Moore, Ryan McDermott, Jake Gray, Derek Rich, Scott Kennedy, Steve Merkel, oh yes, uh, uh, Abe Matthews, Christopher Lotus, Stephen Bork, Robert Smith, Tytopia the Brand, J.D. Short, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Paul Corrigan, Rob Nordwick, Scott O'Brien, and Moog Revit. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.